Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging field of data science. We bring the best minds in data, software engineering, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Now here are your hosts, Frank Lavinia and Andy Leonard. Hello and welcome back to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning and artificial intelligence. If you like to think of data as the new oil, then you can consider us car talk because we focus on where the rubber meets the virtual road. And with me, as ever, on this epic road trip down the information superhighway, can I fill us up with more dated cliches, Andy? Is Andy Leonard. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great, Frank. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, uh, you had a birthday last week. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And, I made another um, trip around the sun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, you know, statistics show that the more birthdays you have, the longer you live. That, you know, I, I wonder, though, if it's uh, one of those false corollaries. I'm just, you know, I'm just, just not sure. Is that a false positive? I don't know. I think it's a um, useless correlation. Mm. You're kind That's of the word I was looking for. Kind of <laughs> describing the same thing, just in different terms. That's true. We sound smart when we... When we throw these words around, though, and I, that's right. I need all the help I can get sounding smart. <laughs> I'm just saying. So um, last week we had the GID show kicking off season three. Yes. This is C, uh, yes. show two of season three. And um, we've had a lot of good feedback with that. JLD himself actually tweeted the, um, the, uh, the episode. You did it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was super excited with this, to hear that. Awesome. And, um, we also announced, speaking of super excited, I'm doing a play on super. Uh, we, we also, mm-hmm. th- hey, I did one. We, uh, we announced the Data Soup Summit. And um, so that's a virtual summit that we're putting together, datasoupsummit.com, if I'm correct. And um, coming up in, at, we're recording this on the 29th of July, 2019. And it's coming up in just under 16 days. Um, interesting concept. Uh, we're having people record their sessions, uh, and it's for a couple reasons. One is it's the middle of the night in some of the places where the authors live, <laughs> so the presenters will be uh, probably be asleep when we're playing their recording. But we're setting up forums and stuff like that for questions, and we're just trying something new and different. So, datasuitsummit.com. And if you sign up before. Um August 5th, then you will get a discount if you use a 70% discount if you use the code data driven. Uh, and beyond that, you'll get a 50% discount because we love our listeners. We absolutely do. They're great. The greatest listeners of our podcast ever, I would say. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Speaking of, uh, you know, funny correlations. Yes. <laughs> or redundant correlations. Maybe that's that's the phrase we're looking for. But uh, I think one of the one of the key advantages here, people are like, well, why are you doing a virtual summit? Well, one, we can kind of recruit talent from around the world, right. and two, we can do it now as opposed to some distant point in the future when, you know, if we do hit the lotto or whatever. Well, and Frank, you and I, we talked about this a little bit in uh, in our first show um, last week. When we did organizing, it was a lot of that was coordinating when people were available and and that sort of stuff. And you're competing nowadays in uh, you know against all of these other events that are out there, and the calendar just keeps growing with all of these events that people want to attend. That we can have folks record their session, 
Um, we can play it back and then jump in the middle and do commentary and what have you. Uh, and then we can actually compile those recordings and people can at a later date sign up and, you know, listen to the recording. So there's a lot to like about this. I think it solves a couple of particularly nasty organizational problems. And um, I love it. And I love our guests. If you go to datasuitsummit.com, you can see the people that are speaking in this first one. Um, they're all aces, in my opinion. So oh, looking yeah. forward to doing more of these. We're, we haven't talked about our future plans for these much. But we're going to uh, we'll talk about those after we get through with this one. That's right. We want to get the first one under our belt and um, kind of see how it goes. We are using uh, somebody else's uh, software as a solution platform, which yep. it's always easier to find the flaws in somebody else's software. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> it's almost like that's a universal pattern of humanity. I don't know. Um, it, it could be. It could be. <laughs> up splinters and planks and all that. Um, that's it. But um, so with that, let's get on to our guest because I hear he's a pretty awesome guy. I've heard his name come up quite a bit um, with the work you've done and uh, in some other places. Um, yes. Always in respectful yeah. tones. Just put that out there <laughs> just in case. I'll send you, send you that dollar by PayPal right. later. Uh, so uh, <laughs> since uh, you've worked with him more closely, why don't you do the intro, Andy? Well, I'm going to totally wing this introduction. Um, our guest today from sunny San Diego, California, is Brent Ozar. And I consider Brent a friend, no matter what he says about me. Um, we we met, actually, we met <laughs> on Twitter. And I want to say it was uh, 2007, something like that. And around 2008 or nine, uh, I landed in Seattle for a past summit and tweeted. Uh, I think I actually used my phone. It may have been the first tweet I sent on my phone and said, you know, I'm at the airport. Does anybody want to share a ride or something like that? And Brent comes back and says, hey, I got a car. I'll come get you. Nice. <laughs> so we, he picked me up and we rode uh, from the SeaTac downtown Seattle, had a, a great conversation, if I remember right, uh, that you will find this ironic, people who... Uh, follow both our blogs these days. At the time, Brent was just getting started with his blog, and he was actually picking my brain for ideas. That's <laughs> ironic now, because Brent is, he's a master of uh, marketing it's true. It's true. And, uh, and and a master, a, a Microsoft certified master, uh, SQL DBA. Um, uh, he was an MVP. I think you stepped away from the um, Microsoft uh, MVP program. Yeah. I did Indeed. that, and then I jumped yeah. back in. So, but uh, great guy, uh, BrentOzar.com, O-Z-A-R is Ozar. If you don't know who Brent is, um, gosh, uh, you know, he's a, he's very popular in our community. Great speaker. Well, and, and in Japan, too. I'm big uh, in Japan. Great, great speaker, <laughs> um, handsome fellow, helper of uh, folks with database problems. Um, <laughs> I mean... Welcome to the show, Brent. My I got to I got to cut you off here before you really get Brent into trouble and there we you're going to regret. Welcome, Brent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, guys. It is totally a pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. It's uh, funny hearing that big, long-winded introduction. I'm like, okay, no, seriously. That's the, there are people who are important and worthy of that. I am not. One oh, of those you do, you've got not engineer's disease, there. and I. I I tell no. people that all the time. I'm the same way. It's like we think the stuff we know is worth very little. And the stuff others know that we don't know, well, that's like millions. And it's just a hard thing. Um, but you have done an awful lot. Um, you've sold out past Summit 
pre-conference sessions. Yeah. And presented all over the world. Um, yeah. Like I said, and it, the marketing is not to be, um, you know, is not to be besmirched. That's, that's really important. And I am, I cannot snatch the pebble from your hand, sir. So. <laughs> I think my, I think when I talk to so many people about what you're going to do for your career and what your long-term perspectives look like, the thing I can't say enough to people is that you already know enough. Technically you have enough technical knowledge right. to get the job done for a long time in your career. It's that not enough other people know, you know, that more people know, need to know what, you know, you need to get out there on, you know, blog, social media, whatever, in order to say, here's the stuff that I, that I'm good at, but, and be frank about here are the areas where I don't have expertise yet, but if you want to pay me, I'll go learn those things. But these are the, the little areas where I've presented expertise on. And if you want to save time, you can hire me and avoid the same burn marks that I've got. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, that's, that's the, the marketing piece is what makes careers so much more stronger. The difference between y'all sitting out there on the other side of the, of the uh, podcast, those of you who are hearing, it's the difference that it's going to make to get onto the other side of the microphone, to become a podcast guest, to start sharing your knowledge at user groups. That's when your career really hits the gas. It's, it's bananas. No, that's absolutely true. I, I can speak from personal experiences that the more you share, the more you get. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, and we've gotten a lot of, we put a lot into the podcast, but I think we've got a lot more out of it than we put in. It's, it's I, especially so important in this day and age where tools are changing continuously, techniques are changing continuously. And it's so easy to sit on the sidelines and go, well, everything I'm learning is just via Googling. That's the same as everybody else out here. You know, we're all learning the stuff and building the tools as fast as we can. It's that all you have to do is jump in, take the plunge and start giving back to people. All of a sudden, it just makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And, 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 and people shouldn't think that, you know, just because somebody else is already doing it, mm -hmm. that they shouldn't try it themselves mm -hmm. because you're going to bring your own unique voice, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, uh, one of the things that I'd like to point out is that our um, podcasting has been around since at least 2004, 2005, yet there's a number of podcasters that have started, you know, was recently as, you know, two, three years ago and have had enormous success. You know, if you look at uh, John Lee Dumas, right? Like, uh, you know, I forget what his, he makes like a hundred thousand dollars a month or something like that on this podcast or whatever. And like, he only started in 2012. Like, you know, this is not, you know, there, there is no so much thing, no such thing as being kind of too late for this. No, it, it's just like musicians or poets or artists or anything like that. Well, why would I write a love song in the year 2019? There's everybody's already covered love extensively. You know, it's, it's all about what you bring to it and how you can bring things to life that sooner there's going to be somebody who's waiting to hear the way you're going to bring it to life. That's going to be different. Now we are not by any means saying that you should go <laughs> start podcasting about love, but you know, in terms of data or development yeah. or anything like that. The market is wide freaking open, you know, get out there and share what you know. So, so, so true. And uh, you've encouraged a lot of people uh, through your blog, Brent, to, uh, to begin blogging. You've gone beyond that. Uh, and, and at times you've, uh, you know, you, I remember your week of starting a blog. I still send people to that series oh, yeah. and it was written years ago, oh, but it's still right. relevant and it's, it's just really good advice. Thanks. It's tough for us as data people too, because I like I'm so for background on me, I got started in development, went into systems administration, then gradually segued into database administrator. 
when you're a data person and you're looking at like website analytics of the people who are reading you and it's zero, 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 you know, for your first six months or whatever, that disheartening, but you just remember sooner or later, you're going to help people and those numbers are going to start becoming larger. It's just like starting a company sure. or anything else, starting your career. The numbers were tiny when you started your career. In the beginning, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm actually getting paid to do this. And then generally over time later, it starts. It's not just about numbers. It's also, I think, um, it's just the weirdest things. Like uh, I would write about um, um, you know, how to do HTTP posts, like, you know, Mm -hmm. screen scraping and, and uwp apps and then somebody would come up to me like i read your post it was awesome i'm like okay I'm like wow so somebody other than my mom read it ah. like, <laughs> and then if you always tell my my, th my thought initially when people would start saying that is well like why didn't you leave a comment why didn't you tell me what because i've been working here in the dark hunched <laughs> over a dark keyboard you know with no one around and then gradually just to, it takes a really long time before people are willing to come up and say thank you you said the same thing that i needed to hear or uh you know that you were the decoder ring that helped me figure out this hard problem that i was facing god it's, it just working in, in blogging and presenting just feels like it takes forever. It's, it's a little bit better when you do a user group presentation and you can see the lights go on in people's mm. eyes. When I can stand up about how to, you know, here's how the engine works. Here's how to make your queries go faster. Here's how to do reporting and production, whatever. And you see lights go on. And when you, I, I'm doing it, of course, you can't see me doing it, but I'm picking up a pen. When you see people pick up a pen, oh, it's that eureka moment of, I did something that they want, or I said something they want to write down. Oh my gosh. That's the best feeling around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Brent, uh, kind of the answer to our first question, and I'm not trying to jump into the questions ahead of time here, but you mentioned, uh, coming into oh, yeah. data from developer and then sysadmin. Yeah, yes. That I, f I can't, I came into data cause I was looking for money and it sounds so it's not politically correct to say that, you know, hey, like I was trying to get paid more money. But when you're working, uh, you're just getting started in your career. I came out of high school and you know, dropped out of college. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. But uh, my grandpa on my mom's side retired at like 45. I had a construction business, sold it. And so my only memories of grandpa on mom's side was just looking at him playing golf, him and his wife, just playing golf all the time, drinking beer. And I'm like, Oh, that lifestyle, that sure looks attractive <laughs> to me. How do I figure out how to do something like that lifestyle? And, I, but I never wanted to run a business. I never, I, I just didn't see myself as that kind of person. And then at the same time, my grandpa on my dad's side, uh, died within a year of retiring. He retired, started chasing his dreams and died of a heart attack. And so it really set as I'm growing out of high school and going off onto college, I'm like, okay, so there's a time mm. limit on life. I got to kind of hustle, you know, I, and I don't want to take it for granted. I want to be able to make enough money that I can spend as much time with my loved ones as possible. So whenever I'm, I was working, originally got started in hotels, worked my way up to hotel manager, and then uh, started working with regional managers because everybody wanted to focus right. on the budgets. How much are we spending on breakfast? How much are we spending on soap? Whatever. So we were doing the budgets back in Lotus 123 and Quattro Pro. So they wanted to centralize that and they wanted one Quattro Pro spreadsheet that would have all the hotels budgets in it. So I'm like, okay, I think I can do that. And I would, you know, play around with that. And uh, then later ended up having a database involved, an access database. And next thing you know, it was SQL Server. And so it was always going through my career. 
who gets paid the most in the room and how can I make right. them happy? Like what? And the people who get paid the most in the room usually have some kind of business value that they need to extract, that they're trying to figure out how to make the company more money, how to sell more products, how to get their costs, whatever it is. And uh, there was always data. It was always right there. And it was, I never sat down and said, okay, it seems like there's data in common here. But it just, I kept gradually you know, gravitating towards whatever was the biggest, most expensive concern for the data. And it's, it's freaking always right. data. It's, it's always data. They're always, how can, it's how can we make it more reliable? How can we make it faster? How can we make more money out of it? And, uh, and it's also, I know you also say data is the new oil that, that has a two-sided coin to it. It's also toxic <laughs> you know, in this day and age, <laughs> right? You can't have a spill, you know, spills are not good. You know, leakage is not good. You don't want to let people get free access to your oil. So there, there are all kinds of other interesting connotations with that as well that are always a concern for the business. The oil has to keep flowing. You know, we can't have any kind of accident happen around it. Uh, so it's it's a really fun and interesting place to be. I definitely didn't go looking for it in particular, but uh, as I just kept went and going to look and be how am I can how can I be more valuable? It always ended up being data. Interesting. I also like the idea that you know I think that's a good analogy for a breach. You know, it's kind of an oil spill. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It is. It is very toxic. <laughs> yeah. There's environmental damage, you know, right. because your consumers are immediately concerned. And where did the oil go? You know, who has access to it? Uh, there's going to be harm done because it's going to be used inappropriately. So it's uh, it's very it's an interesting commodity to have to deal with. Right. Right. And people get nervous when you talk about that too. Like, okay, who all has access to the data? Do you know where it went? You know, have you seen where right. copies of it went? <sighs> Oh, it gets it gets sketchy. Right, right, and it's uh, it can, I mean, it can hurt a brand for years. I mean, yes, you know, look at B Equifax, right? Yeah. Equifax, um, British Petroleum. Uh, yeah. I mean, all yeah. those. Uh, I mean, it's just <laughs> that's a crossover right there. I know. I did, I, I flipped on the uh, on the analogy there. You know, like from like you know, Equifax, which is actual data data, versus oil oil, not necessarily. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Wait a minute. We had a breach about our data about the oil spill. Hold on. <laughs> that is so meta. <laughs> it's just a matter of time, I think, before that actually happens, if it hasn't already. Oh, yeah. It's it's just that's no. But at the same time, it's it is. This is where the value is. It's always wherever the biggest risk is, wherever the biggest reward is. And I think for probably the last 10, 15 years, it's been data. And I don't see that changing going forwards. I know that there are people who go, oh, database administration is dead. And I'm like, I, I think there's always going to be a high market for people who manage the oil, you know, that manage the safety of it, the speed of it, the security of it. That's it, the, the data is getting larger, less manageable, and more important with every passing year. It, the job is getting harder, right. not easier. And it's, I think it's even more rewarding. No, I think that's days. true. And, you know, you talk to a lot of people who are kind of, DBAs and they're used to on-premise data stores, and mm -hmm. I think the cr mm -hmm. the cloud frightens them. They'll never admit that, but I mean, mm -hmm. you could see yeah. fear in people's eyes. Um, yeah. And I think that it, um, yeah. um, I think people realize that I think they're I think they come from a place of a scarcity mindset, if you will, and and the idea is that data's getting larger and larger and, and what they're tasked with to manage is going to be so large that they're not going to want to deal with hard drive swaps in the middle of the night 
or tape backups, right. right? They want to, you know, if you can mm -hmm. offsource that to a cloud provider and you can multiply what you're able to do because you're going to have to be, your your leadership, your management's telling you you need to do more and they're not going to hire more people. Mm -hmm. Cloud is really going to be, you know, your friend, not your enemy. Yeah. It's always funny to me. People will come to me as we're talking about either client problems or training class stuff or conferences. And people will say things like, well, I'm I've got this big database, you know, and they always say it with, with a straight face. I have this big database. I'm like, no, you know, in the day and age of the cloud, you really don't compared to what's out there at a lot of other shops. It's probably not that large for the rest of your life. As long as you're going to be working in data, you're always going to be facing a bigger database than you've seen before because your, your skills are going to grow, your company's gonna put more stuff inside databases, everybody wants to store things in databases all the time. So that the thing that you're up against is always gonna get larger and larger until you accidentally drop a server or something, then you're gonna get fired and then you're gonna to have to step back for a little while, maybe you know take a smaller job for smaller databases, but then you're gonna step right back to bigger databases again. It's always going to look terrifying and impressive, but there are almost always somebody out there with a much larger problem that they're going and solving. And so if you if you want to see where the future is going, I'll often look at people and say, okay, so what the biggest databases out there, do you think they're running this stuff on bare metal today? Or what do you think that that looks like? If you want to get to 50 terabytes, right. 100 terabytes, 1,000 terabytes, a petabyte, whatever, uh, there, you have to look forward at what other people are doing. And those are usually the skills that you want right. to go and acquire. Absolutely. Well, Brent, I want to ask you, and I know some of these questions, and we sent you these ahead of time, some of these are very pregnant um, like uh, this next one, what's your favorite part of your current job? Oh, it's, my favorite part is the aha moment when we get the database out of the way. Like usually when the people come to me, so what I, I am kind of like an emergency room surgeon right. for SQL Server. People come to me because they're covered in blood. They're screaming everywhere. Nobody can sell anything. You know, and so customers are starting to notice. And they're like, what can we do to get this problem to go away? And so when I can do a few, a minimum amount of things, I, I consider myself a failure if I have to tell somebody to change their app, you know, change right. the way that they do business. What's the fewest things that I can change in order to all of a sudden get that out of the way? And the people go, oh, thank God, we can just get back to shipping features again. Because that's all I, when I was a DBA, all I cared about was I was like, oh, you should do everything perfectly. Oh, you sh everything should be flawless, carved in stone, you know, diamond quality. But you get out in the real world and it's like, oh, you, you know, can we just keep shipping things? Can we just get to the point where the thing performs fast enough and we can keep selling product to make our end users happy? So it's my favorite moment of my job when I can say, watch this, and I can turn one switch and all of a sudden things nice. become faster. But in kind of my corollary, that my least favorite part of my job is when I have to say, okay, here, we need to have a talk, people. We're, we're going to have to have a talk. You're not going to be oh, able to keep wow. doing this this way. You know, there, there's a change you have to make. And that's frustrating because I, I would always rather give somebody the magic switch than tell them, you know, I have some bad news for you, uh, Mr. Leonard. You, you're, you've, you've decided to do something incredibly stupid well, and the database is not going to work. You, know, so it's, you it's mean my, no, no loss thing. won't fix everything? Oh, I have that conversation at least <laughs> twice a week, at least twice a week. It's so unreal. I just before this con uh, call, I was actually talking with a customer who said, I need to move data from my transactional system over to my data warehouse. He said, you know, and we had this call. He said, I'm, I'm starting to lean towards no lock. I've read about this on the internet. 
And I'm like, and this is always tough for me to say as a, as a perfor- performance tuner, look, no lock works as long as you're okay with random <laughs> results. And it sounds like I'm pulling your leg, but there are systems where random results are fine. You know, the classic example right. is data warehouses. Right. Look, if your executives are looking at a report, it doesn't matter where the numbers are accurate or not. Your executives are making bad decisions. You could present them with a wall full of random numbers. They will still make the same bad decisions. No lock is great there. It makes perfect sense. But if you're trying to show me my cat pictures, I can't have no lock. I need exact quantities on my cat pictures. No playing around. I better not miss a cat picture. And then they all laugh and they go, wait a minute, we're using no lock on our data warehouses. And I'm like, well, you're, that's what you're saying about your executive. That's, there. that's so true. That, and you're right, though. I mean, like everything, um, there's a time and place for it. But th- that's where the art sure. kind of comes in, you know, to the art and science of, of doing some of this stuff. And there's a whole number of analyses you need to do, I think, before you you know, before you realize where you can get away with things like that and where you can. And it's, you know, I remember having a conversation with a mutual friend, Buck Woody. Um, they were, we were talking about, oh, yeah. um, you know, the, the perils of shrinking your database. And I, I totally get that. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. understand it as well as you and Buck do, but I get it. And I asked Buck straight up, I'm like, why don't you just take it out? <laughs> it's you work for Microsoft mm-hmm. buck. You, yeah. you talk to the SQL server people. Why not just make it, you know, n- no longer an option to shrink a database. And he said, there are times when it's the, you know, it's the magic beans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah. No lock is and no locks a great example. Of that. There are times when it's okay. If the data isn't right. razor sharp accurate, you know, if you just need a count of our transactions right. moving through the system, because sometimes that's all you want to know. You yeah. Know, just, for- I, I would just I throw it for me as an ETL guy, I'll throw no lock against reference yeah. uh, because the data is, it changes yeah. so infrequently. The odds of me catching it, you know, in the middle are, you know, astronomical. So yeah. it's, it has to do with, there's things like that. And I, I could throw up, you know, volatility and stuff mm-hmm. like that. How often is the data changing? If we're doing transactional type data, if we're moving general ledgers, <laughs> stuff like that. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no right, and no. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 And if it's stuff that, that where no one's life is at stake, you know, if lives aren't at stake, oh, getting somebody's medications, you know, that you kind of need some precision accuracy yeah. when you're getting someone's yeah. medications. But, <laughs> if, you're not, if lives aren't at stake, then I tend to, I tend to be a little bit more flexible. Eh, it's like the whole right. NoSQL crowd, you know, that when NoSQL caught on and people are trying to do all these things with eventual consistency, I'm all for it. There are a lot of things that don't belong in a relational database. You in, in this into this today's day and age, there's right. so many tools out there that are so good at handling big data. Using the right tool for the right uh, problem is is really important. Totally agree. Right, absolutely. And I think so. What are your thoughts on 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 NoSQL or things like kind of the the new wave of things like Cosmos DB and kind of how that works? Oh, I love it. There's so many occasions where someone will say, uh, I really want to do blank. And I'm like, well, that's great. That's not what SQL <laughs> Server's for. You know, it, it does the job. It's just not what it's for. Cosmos DB, the whole global transactional thing that if you want to be able to write to multiple masters in different places around the globe, 
Can SQL Server do it? Yes, if you build a solution out of duct tape, Cheetos, and old 45 records or something. Yeah, you can kind of sketch your way into that. But it's not an appropriate solution for if you have that exact permanent uh, problem and you're trying to build a new solution for it in the year 2019. In the year 2019, that's what other platforms like Cosmos DB are for. Do they have drawbacks? Yes. Are they expensive? They can be. So can SQL Server be. You know, uh, I like uh, Adam, or, uh, Adam Savage's new book, Every Tool's a Hammer, where he talks about how you can use different tools to accomplish different objectives, but you just don't want to use every tool as a hammer all the time. So you don't want to think of SQL Server as the hammer that you use all the time. There are other platforms that are great. Go learn how to use those other platforms uh, too, especially in the cloud where you can rent some of these platforms right. by the hour. You know, by all means, go go spend you know twenty dollars learning some other system and that, how it that's, works. That's one of the most powerful things I think about the cloud is um, is we've got this new um, you know this new access we can spend on, and you know something that we just didn't have before. And you you've been around long enough to know this. Certainly, Frank and I have where. You know, in the day, back in the day, if you wanted to stand up a new instance, well, it began with a trip down to, you know, the Compu store <laughs> or something. You know, usually that was Friday at lunch. You took <laughs> off, you went down there with a company credit card, you bought a box of parts, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And, cable. and now it's like, I heard, uh, mm -hmm. I, I heard, uh, gosh, his name flew out of my head. Scott, what is Scott's last name? Hanselman. I heard Hanselman a few a few years ago at a coach stock doing a uh, a keynote there, and he said some of the younger people on his team were spinning up something in Azure, like spinning up a new VM, and they were like, "This is taking minutes." Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like get off my lawn, you know. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. You have so much power at your fingertips. I would, I would never want to be young again. Like I don't ever want to rewind the clock, but if you're graduating from college in the year 2019 yeah. with like a comp sci degree, you have so oh, many cool gosh. options at your, at your fingertips. You can build a global company it just at the drop of a hat. Now you're going to need a credit card in order to spin up and get started. But the balance on that credit card can be pretty doggone small to still get you to profitability. Whereas back in our days, you know, us, us podcasters here, man, I mean, you wouldn't have been able to find a credit card big enough to right. build yourself a data center or long, put a computer in somewhere. Well, you, you, at that point, right. you're talking to a venture capitalist, right. yeah. not, not a credit card. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how powerful that you can be with the cloud today. I'm also glad that we got, I say we, as in, you know, those of us on the, with microphones at the moment, as opposed to headphones, but those of us who got started early enough that we could see yeah. the cloud coming and see, like, I remember how bad it used to be and how it's still not great today. There are a lot of problems with it today. You know, everything changes every six months. The documentation's always out of date. The sample code doesn't work. You know, it's not there yet, but like it gives me so much hope for how things are going to be in 10, 15, 20 years. I, I can see that we lived at a really cool point in time. I have the same feeling about privacy, though, too, oh, at the same point. Like, I, I, I'm glad that I grew up at a point where I had privacy growing up. And today, I just don't right. think that that's reasonable to expect anymore. I don't think between the ways that people sell their data for free or make these trade-offs without understanding what they're trading off, that, uh, that, that 20 years from now, there's going to be a really set of interesting privacy discussions around people uh, understanding that everything that they ever did now is owned by corporations in one way or another, right. which is pros and cons. You know, I like 
uh, recommendation engines as much as the next person. So, well, you know, you, you say that, and that's one of the things that um, I, I kind of felt is gone is, uh, you know, is my personal expectation of privacy. I just, you know, I, I, yes. Do I pop off every now and then on social media? Um, no, but uh, yes, I do, but yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> No longer, you know, but I no longer have the expectation that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to work like I think it should work. I posted this a little earlier today. I said, you know, I need a, a switch that says works like Andy thinks it should. You know, <laughs> it's just nothing works that way. And those days are, are, you know, they, it's not that they're gone. They really never were here, but the yeah. velocity now with which uh, our, our private thoughts or what we would maybe not want to be public yeah. Uh, get out there. Um, yeah. it, you know, those, it, it's just, don't expect that. And, you know, realize that I, my daughter, my, my youngest daughter does dance and we had a video come up, you know, um, Facebook knows me way better than I know myself. <laughs> and a video came up like eight years ago of her dancing, you know, as a ballerina princess. And I, I talked to my wife, Oh, it's a beautiful video. Very cute. <laughs> and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, and, and she, I was like talking to Christy about it. And I said, you know, her grandkids are going to be able to watch this video. Yes. And I was like, what is that? What would that be like for me to see my grandmother at age three or four oh, dressed man. in a little ballerina? Print? That's just so far from yeah. our experience. Yeah. You know, just mind boggling. Same with every. That is, that is very inspirational, which given all the other creepy things that Facebook does. <laughs> And, and there's some good. There's some good out there, and you know, so there is some good. Okay, I, I always just thought it was you know, 100% creepy. Now I'm content <laughs> to believe that it's you know, 99% creepy. It's a trade, and it's it, you look at anywhere that you give your data to. It is a matter of making that trade sooner or later. Where you store your emails, where you put your photos, where you're, you know, anyone who's harvesting data about you continuously. It's a it is a constant decision of do who has this information and what are they going to do with it 20 years from now when they get acquired, you know, it's, so this is why I say I'm glad we grew up when we did and we can see this thing coming and I can kind of coast to a stop and retire, you know, just like set out the uh, sideways and go, okay, well, I see what's happening now. I'm going to go ahead and have out on a, have a beer out on the porch and relax. Uh, but golly, I wouldn't want to grow up, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now. I think this is the time to, to grow up. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned this. I think so. When when you're not at, not working, this is a complete your sentence. When you're not working, you, what do you enjoy? Oh wow! For me, it, I especially given my my grandpa Ozar on my dad's side retiring at with or dying within a year of him when he retired. For me, the whole thing is retirement. I, when I stop working, when I close the door on my home office and I go out of here. I am done. Like I want to practice retirement. I go goof off. I will go eat at restaurants, read books, watch bad TV, just basically unplug as much as I can. We do a lot of travel. So my goal for 2019 was to travel for one month a year. And then my goal for 2020 is to travel two months a year. And when I say travel, I don't mean like business trips. I mean, just pure goof off travel. So we're getting ready to start in three days, three days, we fly out to, uh, I first go to Salt Lake City for a user group, and then we're doing like two weeks in Telluride, two weeks in Napa, California. 
I just really like to unplug with my wife. We go off and uh, just go travel at different places. And I love sitting and people watching when we're there. I don't go hiking. I don't go uh, do anything big or dramatic. I just like to sit, watch people and chillax. It's a just completely the opposite of what I have to do during my day job, which is super high tech, lots of FaceTime with people, um, you know, heavy in-depth analysis. Man, five o'clock hits or really with me, it's like three or four o'clock hits. I'm done. I unplug. I watch the dumbest TV you could imagine. I watch Big Brother, uh, Alone, Amazing Race, Project Runway, you know, really low brow stuff. Just basically people watching uh, and recovering from my day job. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you <laughs> no, I mean, it, it helps to have the kind of mentally off time too, particularly yeah, yeah. in the field that we're in. Or it can oh, yeah. be very mentally intensive. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's times when, you know, if I'm studying or whatever, trying to get another cert or just working on a really tough problem, I'm like, my brains are mushed by the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And well, and the fact that nobody comes to me for a good time, like when they come in my front door, quote unquote, for, for consulting, it's nobody's like, oh, things are good here. We just wanted to check in. No, it is the emergency room surgeon stuff where it's on like Donkey Kong. You know, people are yelling, screaming, the site is down. We got to make, you know, sell things faster. You know, so it's, it's never a, a pleasant uh, experience. And it's my job to turn around and make it as fun and pleasant for them as possible, fix the problems. But at the end of that, oof, I'm just brain dead. I'm ready to just go sit down somewhere. I'm not an extrovert. I am a total introvert. So it's at the end of a day like that, I am done. Unplug. Interesting. So, uh, so here's another complete the sentence. I think the coolest thing in technology today is serverless. So serverless is either AWS Lambda or Azure Functions. Google has options for this as well, um, where you just pay by the millisecond that your cloud runs. So I, I'm mesmerized by this as a developer and sysadmin. I don't really care about operating systems. I don't care about VM sizes. I don't care about patching. You know, I just want to upload my code somewhere and have my code work. And that's kind of the end of the story. I don't want to care about how many servers there are. I don't care where they're, where they're located. Just run the code when it needs to be run. Um, and I adore it. It's magical. I don't want anyone in the audience to think that I sling code full time anymore. I have a developer for that, Richie. And Richie writes the code that involves, you know, running on servers all over the place. We don't have to manage where the servers are. It just freaking works. And it, it, saying it just works is, of course, grossly oversimplifying as you do with anything else in the cloud. Uh, but it's it's so intoxicating to me as a sysadmin to not have to worry about things like uptime for particular machines. It comes with uh, cool drawbacks, like, for example, the database is the new choke point. Again, if, if I give you a setup where you can just throw your code up in the cloud and you know, Microsoft or Amazon manages how many places it runs, how often it runs based on the demand that's coming from your consumers, well, if they scale out to a thousand containers all at once in order to handle, you know, you're doing a Super Bowl sale or something, if you scale out that hard, the database becomes a new choke point again. So it's everything old is new again, you know, that we, the, the database still ends up being the problem, but uh, it's really fun for technology. It is an interesting it, innovation it come, in the terms of, you know, serverless really removes the things that have traditionally been choke points or just points of just touch points for developers. And friction, things that stand in between you and getting value to your customers. 
it's just another great example of if you graduate from college today, you don't have to know what an operating system is. You don't have to know what a container is. You, you can just say, I'm going to upload my cloud, Microsoft or Amazon or Google is going to just automatically run this based on conditions that are met via the triggers. Um, it's just amazing how much closer you can get between having an idea, delivering code, and having that code provide business value. It's fantastic. Well, very cool. We have an, one last complete this sentence. Oh. I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. Truly augment memory. I, I was so excited when Google Glass came out. When Google Glass came out, I'm, there was only probably like five of us who were really excited. No, I wasn't crazy enough to buy one. But uh, I, I looked at him like, oh my gosh, if I could wear a pair of glasses that would show me an overlay of when I've met someone, yeah. what we have in common, right. a restaurant that I've been to, a route that I took, if I could just augment my own memory with, or here's where you left that thing, you know, where, where did you leave your iPad? It's right over here. Wow. If it could yeah. remind me of things that I knew that to me is just would be incredibly valuable. And I find this so opposite because when it came out, Google said, no, 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 we're not going to do face recognition. All that stuff's just way too creepy. So all we're going to do is we're going to overlay in here things that we think you need. And I'm like, that, that, that's the exact opposite of what I want. I don't want the algorithm telling me what I think I need to know. It, at some point that will become useful to me. Yes. If I'm wandering amongst a strange city and I want to get advice on a restaurant, for example. Right. But right now I just want it. I want technology to remind me of what I knew once. Andy, it's just like you're, you know, showing me the video from eight years ago. Right. That, to me, that's one of my favorite things about stuff like Instagram, Facebook, when it pops up and says, Hey, guess where your life was four years ago? Or yeah. recently show me, Hey, do you know you've known Pinal Dave for eight years now? I'm like, Wow, I, I totally didn't know that I knew that. That's amazing. I would, I would love for that to be the first goalpost. And then the second goalpost I would love to hit is show me what my friends know. You know, if, if I'm in, somewhere in North Carolina and K Brian Kelly likes a barbecue place that I'm like, okay, well, that's something that I should go and try then. Right. Don't tell me, show me 50,000 reviews from strangers on Yelp. Cause we don't have anything in common. Right. I want to know what right. my friends knew, you know, we're at the past some battle because it, that also gives me a way to, to feed back to them and go, Hey, I tried that, you know, barbecue place you love. And I liked it too. Thanks. Plus for if you know, it was life. a really picky eater and, and they, they rave about this place and yes. you'd be like, Oh, well, someone's, I mean, it, it, I think it extends yeah. the more natural model of, uh, conversationalism. I don't know if that's a word. We're, we're coming up with new words today, Andy. We're, we're uh, published, Frank. It's a license to spell. Ah, good to know. <laughs> There's, it's it just like anything, the data is a new oil thing. It's like we're, some oil is much more valuable than others. There's some data that is much more valuable to me because I trust it, because I trust the source of it. Whereas there's all this untrusted source stuff out there where people are trying to game the data. They're trying to buy great reviews, for example. They're trying to shove ads down your throat to get you to go to a particular barbecue place. So the, the, the things that would be, the data that's so valuable to me, the first goalpost is the data that I knew that I've forgotten. The second goalpost is data that friends of mine knew, you know, things that they came up with. 
And then the third goalpost would be things like, all right, what did untrusted strangers do? They're untrusted strangers out on Yelp. But it's funny how technology works in the exact opposite ways, because right. it's so easy to give us the wisdom of the crowd first, the, the wisdom of the crowd that's bought and sold. That ends up being what we get first, which is so funny. It's interesting that you brought it up like that, um, because um, years ago, a friend suggested the concept of uh, data reputation. And, yes. Uh, you know, and I totally that's that's exactly where you are. It's with trust, uh, how yeah. you know I trust my inner circle of friends and and Facebook mm-hmm. gives, gives you that option to separate close friends from acquaintances. And, you know, it would be nice if that came into, and I think it does play into the algorithm of what gets shown to you. Um, so, yeah, I, I get that. Totally get that. What was the book, the first book by Cory Doctorow? Uh, no, Down and Out Down the Magic out Kingdom. The Magic, yeah, Magic yeah. Kingdom. Yeah, it's still out there for free. And oh, phenomenal. It was Wuffy. That was the currency. Yes where you would give credibility to each other. I mean, that the, there are things that it's just like with LinkedIn. I was, I was excited when Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Cause I'm like that there is a trove of data here in that there, if I could find people who are experts on a particular tag, you know, through my network, right. um, it would be, there's a value to that, to knowing what they know, not, I don't want to sell for it. I just want to be able to go, Oh, which blogs do they find interesting? How can I go down that route? Right. Or the, the one that always drives me crazy is I'm going to be in Telluride, Colorado for two weeks. And there, here are the date ranges. Who do I know that has either been there or is going there and would have recommendations around that same time? I don't want to email everybody in my network trying to find that out, but just, you know, make it easy for me to go uh, leverage that information. Right. There was a startup in D.C. and I probably should see what uh, what became of them, but there was a social radar and that was kind of their thing would be, you know, when you go to a, a location, it'll find out people you know that are either going to be there or who are around you. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I see. I would love that. Yeah, it was Dodgeball was one that Google acquired years ago. And that was that was interesting in the same space. And yeah, it was, that was I would love to have more of that trust and reputation and networking type stuff. Right. Built in. Right. Interesting where I would love for technology to go. Are we, are we going to get there anywhere near in time? No, not even close. We are condemned to live in this nightmare of butts and bites that we have to deal with today. But, oh well. uh, so the next question is, uh, share something different about yourself, but uh, we'd like to keep our clean rating on iTunes. Although, Andy, we're going to have to change up that phrasing because <laughs> iTunes is going away at some point, right? I can't believe iTunes is going away. Oh, it's the end of the world, man. Boy, I can't. That that app is a hot garbage. I'm an an Apple guy, and that app is hot garbage. Oh, oh, oh wow! Oh, it's terrible. It always has been. We tolerate it. I mean, but it's kind of like this. St- yeah. It's the thing people love to knock, and it, it for for a company that prides itself on extensive, uh, impressive. Uh, oh. You have to wonder how iTunes got through. Yeah. And it was during the Jobs era too. It's not like they can say. It came up before or after. It was, yeah. Yeah. You no, can't it's terrible. Tim Cook or Tim Apple, whatever his last name really is. Tim but. Apple. Oh, that was so good. Um, that's something different about myself. I, I'm, uh, of course, because I share everything on Instagram and Facebook and all those kinds of Twitter and all that. Um, if I had to pick one thing, it's probably just that I, I'm really into restaurants. 
I got my start working in hotels and I've worked a line it as a line cook and a prep cook. Um, I truly appreciate how hard it is to craft good food, especially repeatable good food, you know, food that comes out looking the same way every time. And I never want to do it again. I suck at cooking. I, I'm just terrible at it. And it's not that I don't want to learn. It's just that there are so many people out there who are so good or just phenomenally good and creative. And it's so nice to be surprised by people who are good at what they do. So I, I think one of the best things that you can do in a restaurant is you go in and find a restaurant that does a chef's tasting menu. Right. It's You don't want to just ask the waiter, whatever you like, I'll order. You know, don't surprise me because the waiter isn't professional at food in most restaurants. They, they're kind of part-timers. They're <laughs> going to become an actor or whatever it is. They're going to work in big data someday. You know what? They're, they have other <laughs> achievements that they want to go pursue. But if you find a place where the chef has set up a tasting menu where you don't have to make any decisions, you just show up and go, whatever you want to cook for me, that's what I would like to eat. You learn so much about food, about the way that you prepare things. It's just a wonderful indulgence. That is probably my guiltiest habit is if there's a, a place with a tasting menu, I'm all in. doesn't matter what it costs. I want to go see what the chef has done that they're uh, really proud of. So really, really enjoy that. Well, I have to share my uh, one of my Brent stories. It's not an embarrassing one. <laughs> Which is surprising. We'll keep those off the air. We got to yeah. got to keep that iTunes rating until iTunes yeah. dies. But yeah. uh, um, just and I think too it speaks to uh, just the kind of guy you are. And we, it was a few years ago. We were at a sequel Saturday DC, and you came around the corner there at the Microsoft facility, and you were pointing your finger at me back and forth, point, 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 and you said, "I've been looking for you." And it was right. It, it had to have been around 2015, 2016 when I was changing jobs, really changing companies. And oh. I set up a new website using WordPress. Didn't know what oh, I was yes. doing. And Brent oh. comes around the corner and he says, I saw your website and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. and, and at the time, Brent's got, I don't know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of email addresses on a list where he's been collecting. Like I said, very good at marketing. And I'm not. I'm an engineer um, and I have no talent for marketing. And so <laughs> the end of the day, he's like, let's go grab dinner. There was a, one of those restaurants was right across the street. This book reminded yes. me. Of it. And they served this hog's head, a real mm -hmm. live pig head. And Brent knew about it. And he's like, let's go over there. And for the cost mm -hmm. of a really nice meal, I, I had the Brent Ozar fix my website. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Yes. Yep. And it no longer sucked. And I use that template. You know, that company is still around, but it's in the background mm -hmm. now. Edna's up front now. And it, I use those mm -hmm. same templates and those same ideas for that. But big copycat here. But um, that's I, that whole spirit of, uh, of just wanting to help. Uh, and I so admire that. And, you know, and it, I, I know you can't do that for everyone. And I was very honored <laughs> you did it for me. I needed to help probably more than most, though, to be fair. So, you know, it's one of those where if you, if you know, if you, you know that you know something, you know, there's some quantity of thing that, you know, you understand how to do, and you can do it in an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is. Right. And you got a friend facing that exact same problem where you're like, look in one hour, two hours, I can take 30 hours out of your week. You know, we can just <laughs> knock this out once and we can be done with it. It's, it just feels irresponsible not to do it. You know, you, you owe it to people to what's the fastest way that I can get this out of your way. Right. And 
And it's not like I'm ever going to make a living as a web consultant. I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't have that level of knowledge. And it's, there are people who are really good at it. They charge tens of thousands of dollars or whatever. It's right. not like you or I are going to spend that money. You know, it's just how right. do we give each other a leg up as quickly as possible to, to make a real difference in people's lives. And it's, just, which is the same reason that, you know, you end up doing podcasts, you do user sure. group sessions. How can you quickly lift people up and give them a, a, an advantage in what it is that they're trying to do on a daily basis? Give, show people a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, show people how to, to handle their problems. It's just so empowering. It feels fantastic. I totally agree. You know, and paying things forward because you and I both, and Frank, all of us, we, we learn things from others. And, yes. you know, now we're, I'd say mostly on the other side of that, where we get to share things or recognize that someone has more knowledge and expertise. I, I found this is happening more and more is younger people who really are good at what they know and what they do, but they don't realize they're good at it. They lack the confidence. Nobody's ever told them, you know, that, you know, they're making thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars a year somewhere. They're you know, they're being, they're doing amazing work and they don't realize it because they're not being appreciated. And I get a chance to talk to them and say, you know, that's really good. You should start a blog or, you know, if you blog about this, let me know and I'll, you know, I'll put, I'll tweet about it or whatever. And I've got, you know, tens of people following me. Um, just stuff like that. You know, you can help. And I, I totally get that. And, you know, it's just, it's very, you know, I can't, I can't do the websites. I'm not good at it. I had a website where it gained a little bit of popularity in the community. And I thought, fine, I'll hire a web developer to look at it. And I found someone and he looked at it and he said, this looks like an engineer built it. And I'm an engineer. <laughs> so I thought that was a compliment. And it turns out that's, that's not a compliment. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And then it was like, oh yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're like, wait, wait, wait. That's an insult. Oh. <laughs> he, was right, he was right. It was. It did look like an engineer built it. So, I, yeah. Brent, I know. Um, I know about BrentOzar.com. I'm pretty sure that's where people can learn more about you. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. I, I blog all my technical stuff over at BrentOzar.com, and it's where I have all kinds of free scripts, training videos. And I, I would encourage people go over there, go hit under training, go watch all kinds of free stuff. I've got, for example, how to think like the engine is my totally free internals course where no sign up required, just get in there and start watching. Cause I know when I was on my way up as a database administrator, I, I was just so frustrated with dry books and material where I'm like, I'm poking my eyes out trying to learn this stuff. <laughs> so I try to build stuff that is fun and easy, accessible for people, especially when they're starting out and don't have any budgets whatsoever, to just get dip your feet wet in uh, databases and start to get a leg up on your competition, other people who are trying to get the same jobs that you want to get. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so Audible is a sponsor of Data Driven. And right. can you, are you into audiobooks? Uh, if not, uh, can you recommend a good you know, book that's on dead trees? Yes, I love them for uh, for road trips. Mm -hmm. And same thing with planes too. Whenever I'm on planes, I just love that. It just makes the time fly, especially because I'm six foot three and I can't work worth a rip on a laptop in a plane. It's just doggone even in first class, it's painful. Um, so the one that I've loved and I've come back to several times is A Guide to the Good Life by William Irvin, uh, A Guide to the Good Life. And it's about stoicism 
and I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with the toughest thing about stoicism in terms of, of as a philosophy, when you wake up in the morning and you're, you know, get brushing your teeth, whatever it is you do in order to get ready, putting on deodorant, whatever, please do that as well. <laughs> um, visualize the most negative thing that could happen to you today. And it sounds so terrible and awkward. Oh my gosh. Why would I want to start by thinking about if it very quickly forces you to reprioritize, reprioritize what truly bad is. Hmm. Is the worst thing that could happen to you that you're going to die? Nope, nope, because that's quick. You're not going to notice it. What about someone close to you dying? What about someone dying of a long, slow, painful death? What about having an earthquake and being trapped under a building for 24, 36 hours? And boy, does that sound somber, like it's a terrible way to end a podcast. <laughs> but if you think about that, and if you seriously think about that in the morning, go, okay, what what would be really bad today? Then two things you start to one, you start to think about how can I take better advantage of the people in my life to say, I love you for being here. Thank you for being here today. You know, let's enjoy this time together that we have because it can all end tomorrow. You know, it's right. sooner or later it's going to happen. Um, and two, when bad things happen to you during the course of the day, you realize they're not that bad. I'm like, oh, so my computer crashed. Life goes on. You know, it's not. It's not like I was trapped in an earthquake. You know, in a building or something. Right. So it really helps you reprioritize what's important in your life. Not take things for granted as much. Uh, and it turns out that the you know the Greeks were onto this thousands of years ago. It's just that we really wouldn't think about that in in today's world when we're all positive, visualize success, think about yourself winning the lottery. Like, well. A, that doesn't really work, you know, and B, it makes you idolize things that aren't really relevant. You don't need $5 million to be happy. You know, you can be happy with the people around you and you should take advantage of that on a daily basis. So a, I think a guide to the good life is the best book for getting started with stoicism. Oh, that's good. Mm. That's good to, that's good to know. Stoicism, uh, um, also was the prevailing philosophy of Marcus Aurelius. Yes. It ended yes. up being an emperor of Rome. So works out okay. Yeah, that it works, for, works really well that. for some people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's there are Instagram accounts with quotes from him, quotes from other Stoic philosophers, uh, which is funny. They're not quite as Instagram friendly in this day and age as, you know, say Dr. Phil, but it's still fun to have around in your life. <laughs> right, right. There's actually an app for the Android that I have uh, called uh, Stoicism, and I'll screenshot some of the quotes from there and put on Instagram and I'll tag it with like, you know, mm -hmm. Stoic Saturday. Apparently that's a thing. Stoic Saturdays. And, yeah. um, and yeah. oddly yeah. enough, there's, you know, uh, it, there's an underground cult of like not Instagram models. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Of Stoic, of Stoics yes. on Instagram. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of life. I mean, it, it's not quite as morbid or as um, uh, gothic. <laughs> you know, as imagine the worst thing that can happen to you. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it helps you reframe things. Yes. And not take things as much for granted. Right. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Well, there's, a, you know, you mentioned some really good side effects of that. And I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And it's a, uh, interesting to, to look into that. You mentioned another book earlier, uh, Adam Savage's book. Oh, yes. Every tool's a hammer. Every yes, tool's a that, hammer. Okay. We'll put a, a link to fantastic. both. Uh, of course, Corey Doctorow's uh, one as well. I don't know that that's available via uh, Audible or not. Um, and now I want to go and look at my other, I'm like, well, I now immediately want to go in and open up the rest of my books just to go see. But of course, my phone is in the other room. So that's not. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting audio book 
that Andy and I have been um, uh, had heard a lot about is called Titan. It's about the uh, the rise of John Rockefeller. Oh, thirty five hours. Uh, so it's a commitment, but it's very even even from the like the first couple of hours. It's interesting to find out about his kind of his childhood, his relationship with his father, which was very bizarre. His father was kind of a bizarre person, put it that way. I mean, couldn't you say that about all of our fathers? Like you could say that about all of our fathers, really, at the end of the That's day. That's true, but not like goofy dad joke type. Like this no. guy was one of those people that would sell like, you know, magic elixirs in the back of like a, a, a wagon and like run from town to town, just like a few steps ahead of the law. I like <laughs> it. I like it. <laughs> Which is hard to imagine, you know, like the one of the richest people that's ever lived. His dad was that, you know, oh. or maybe it's easy to imagine. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I don't know that it's, now it all comes back to big data. I mean, to some extent, that's what a lot of us are doing these days. That's oh, true. we got this amazing thing for you, this product. It's in the cloud. <laughs> yes, well. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, it, it all kind of comes full circle. Like, you know, you hear about kind of the, the, the problems that um, uh, Standard Oil created, Ooh. problems that they, you know, the kind of the, 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 the chain of consequences from what they – what they did, it comes full circle. If you look at the, you know, kind of the, the talk of antitrust and breaking up Facebook, breaking up Amazon. I mean, it's just, uh, it's kind of like that, that, that circle of history is like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's some of the things that they're talking about when they, when they interact with lobbyists and politicians and it's like, you can easily just slap a, a two zero on the year that that happened. Now, now that you bring up Standard Oil, okay, so there's one other thing I have to say, which is one of my favorite discoveries ever on Wikipedia. There's this guy, Thomas Midgley Jr., who's responsible for both leaded gasoline and Freon, which are you know two of the biggest environmental disasters, both leaded gasoline and Freon, had all kinds of blowback. Mm. Um, and there's a great quote on his Wikipedia page uh, that Midgley had, quote, more impact on the atmosphere than any other single organism in Earth's history, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> wow oh, so, not sure yeah. that's a good thing but no, no. Yes. you know what would be funny if you went to high school yearbook and it said I want to make a difference <laughs> yes <laughs> yes most likely okay one thing before we go Brent I want to point out that um, if, if you're okay with it I'd like to point out your personal book Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> yes, Ozar.me, O-Z-A-R.me. And my one of the one of my favorite things to go check every few months is oh. uh, his Epic Life Quest. Yes. Um, my Life Quest. He's got a, a bunch of stuff over there. And there's actually a surprise there's a surprising amount of technical information there. I'd say most of it's technical, but uh, there's stuff on there about uh, business. And, you know, some of the, like I was talking about earlier, some of the things that I send people to, I, I just had up because I'm working on my website, the uh, post from two years ago, Word, WordPress plugins I use to sell training. Yes. And that's a good post. And right. I've come back to it a bunch of times because I'm trying new things on, you know, on so I also have online training that I sell and mm -hmm. it's a great site to, you know, jumpstart people. 
So. Thanks. I, I can't believe I went through the whole uh, podcast without mentioning it. I didn't think about it, but yeah, Ozar.me. Uh, I have my Epic Life Quest up there, which is I try to turn my life into an adventure game, just like you would with mm -hmm. a, you know, any role, online role-playing game, whatever, um, and give myself level ups whenever I achieve five tasks that were hard for me to go achieve. If you start tracking that stuff, it really helps you focus on, am I making progress in this year of my life, or did I just kind of let things slip into a job I'm not happy with and a you know relationship I'm not happy with and not spending right. my time taking care of myself, go get out there. I mean, we only, it sounds like the middle life crisis kind of thing, but we only get one uh, chance. So go for it. That's so true. And it, it reminds me too, Frank's got this thing that he, I learned from everybody, right? I just, I snarf up all the good ideas out there and try to apply them. Frank's new year is all saints day, November 1st. Ooh. So that's a thing he started doing and we're counting down right now. Frank and I communicate. We're 95 days from one November, 2019. Wow. So. Yeah. And the reason I do that is because, um, with the real new year, <laughs> yeah. there's just so much going on. Uh, people are still recovering from, you know, the holidays. Whereas this was kind of, this started in 2016, which mm. personally was a horrible year for me. Uh, and, and looking back it actually was kind of like i'll look back on that as like that was the year that mm -hmm. i kind of got my head on straight but like i had a concussion the cat died lost my job my mom was sick like, <laughs> oh, it was like yeah. a country music song uh, and uh you know so so like i was just like mm -hmm. that's it this year has just been horrible uh i'm just gonna kind of hit reset. declare the new year now and it was like around halloween and and um you know ever since then things have been my outlook has been better. And ever since then, I kind of use that as an opportunity because both my mm -hmm. kids have birthdays in December. So like December is oh, kind man. of like just all out. Yeah. Madness, rave, just chaos. Like the, the second half of December is just like, sure. Just don't schedule anything. It's like that bad. And um, so, so to I mean, it, it kind of has afforded me this opportunity to kind of think about, all right, well, did I hit the goals I wanted to do? Kind of gives me like, you know, a 10, month year and kind of like two months of like analyzing you know did i hit what i want to do right. what i want to do next year that sort of thing mm -hmm. um it, it oh. worked out well for the last few years so i love it it's genius thank you and you know what the funniest part is i bet if you wrote a book on that like you know say here's the technique that i used to do it you would sell copies this is how productivity books get started this is true, this is true. Is exactly i should get on the on the uh, back on the book thing the, the only book i've ever written brent was uh, mm -hmm. a book on Silverlight. <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. We all. <laughs> that was before November 1st. Right? Oh, it that was, was many, many November 1st ago. It was, uh, yeah. I can kind of like, and I'll, I'll talk about like, you know, Silverlight and stuff. And I'm like, well, right. I could laugh about it right. now. <laughs> but it's and, like, it was, it was kind of like the bell bottoms of, yes. of technology. We, yeah. It looked like a good idea at the time. Yeah. You know, it, it seemed to make sense at the time. And that uh, I always laugh at that. Right. Like we're making decisions just like that right now. You know, we're going to look back and go, oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> Cosmos DB, what were we thinking? You know, there's, there's something like that that we're just going to die and laugh. No, about. that's true. That's true. So you reminded me of one thing before we wrap up is, you know, in the, <laughs> this age of self-driving cars, you were talking oh, yes. about, uh, you know, your life was like a bad country song there, Frank. Um, we're going to have self-driving pickups, and there will be country songs about the pickup leaving. 
you know, <laughs> that's coming. I can see that. I can okay. see that. Elon Musk is working on a pickup truck model for uh, Tesla. There you go. He's, work- he's working on anything that will get cash deposits. That's what he's working <laughs> that's on. That's true. You want a you want a blender fridge? <laughs> oh, all right. So as long as we're as long as we're talking about oh, as long as we're talking about uh, now we're in the country music and all that. So you know what happens when you play country music backwards? What's, what's you get your that? wife back? You get your truck back? You get your dog back? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is so funny. <laughs> well, this, this was a awesome. fantastic show. I started saying it a minute ago. I'm sorry I, I cut you well, off thanks, there. Man. But yeah, thank you so much for making time. My I know pleasure. you've got a very busy schedule. My um, pleasure. It was it was awesome. Uh, I'll let, let Frank do his wrap-up. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Sure. So if you want to get a free Audible book um, on us, you can go to thedatadrivenbook.com. And um, if you want to sign up for a great virtual summit, go to Data Soup Summit. And use the uh, when you register, use the data-driven code to get either a 70% discount or a 50% discount, depending on when you do it. And with that, we want to thank Brent and let the nice British lady finish the show. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. Don't just listen, become a data driver by going to datadriven.tv to sign up to join the community, access to special events, tips and tricks, and more. Sign up today at datadriven.tv.